Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. Light a match after you listen to this one, because it's going to be a real stinker. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine, coming to you pre-recorded from my recording studio built here at my home just outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. On uh, this week's show in Pipe Parts, I'm going to give my review of Marlin Flake. Yeah, Rattray's Marlin Flake. Some of you might have seen me post it on... uh, post a a little sneak preview of it on social media over the weekend Uh, i'll give you that and then my guest is uh per jensen of mcbaron and we're going to uh give a little history into uh henrik hallberg and his uh his life and you know tell some stories so it was it was fun catching up with per anyway and uh kind of nice to reminisce about those stories uh music mailbag and rant all that coming up on this week's episode of the pipes magazine radio show And as you are downloading and streaming this episode, I am in Florida getting prepared for my son's wedding on Friday. So again, this is uh, way pre-recorded and uh, next week's show is being recorded the same night. So uh, I'll be doing some time jumping for you. Uh, But, you know, I'm hoping uh, hopefully everything goes well. Uh, You know, and of course the wedding has been changed and delayed due to the uh, world crisis so it's not exactly what uh, you know what the bride and groom were uh, thinking about but in the rant section I'll give you more on that uh, do want to remind you that uh, you know brand new episodes of the pipes magazine radio show are posted at 8 p.m eastern time every Tuesday night and then available for download streaming re-listening to sharing and tweeting and uh, Instagramming about for eternity so uh, if you got friends share it out uh if you missed episodes go back and grab them they're there promise they're all there in fact there's a couple that you can go back and listen to with uh perry Jensen. so all right let's get the show rolling everybody sit back relax fire up a bowl thank you all for tuning in and here we go This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show review of Rattray's Marlin Flake. Uh, Now, let me go back and say that Rattray's started in uh, 1903 and Rattray's is one of those uh, one of those one of those blenders that started off in Scotland and then ended up getting moved around a couple of times. And what I have here is from the current production uh this can is probably a year old would be my guess uh not much more than that if it is uh this is the current production that's made in uh made in germany and it's the tall 100 gram can and that's important for for me to make sure that you understand that the and and i think the 100 gram can for those of you that are going for if you like this tobacco and you're going to age it, I would definitely recommend the 100-gram can because the 50-gram can comes in either a square or I'm pretty sure they're converting it over to the uh, over to the flat rounds like uh, everybody else in Europe has to. Uh, but So let me say it up front. The, there's more air in the, uh, in the Marlin Flake 100-gram can than there is in the 50-gram rounds, all right? There's longer strips, so these are these strips are about six eight inches long, and because there's more air in there, it's going to benefit 
the tobacco with aging. So if you're if you're serious about if you're seriously thinking about aging this, get the hundred gram tall can. Uh, I've seen prices, although they're out of stock currently. Uh, I've seen prices anywhere from seventeen to twenty two dollars for a hundred grams of this. Uh, on the bottom of it, and this is because the Germans are so precise, uh, it says three point five three ounces. Not only is it 100 grams, but it's also 3.53 ounces. So, <laughs> gotta love the Germans. Uh, the description of it is uh, dark flake composed from dark Virginia, black Cavendish, and a hint of Perique. Now, upon opening it, it does not have as much of that uh, grassy Virginia as, uh, as one would expect. It does have a little more nose to it than what I would get out of Orlet Golden Slice, which I kind of consider as the, uh, as the benchmark. Dramatically less nose than what you get when you open up a can of Escudo. So think of this, and this is really where I want you to look at Rattray's Marlin Flake, the current production. It's a bridge between the straight Virginia Flakes from uh, Denmark and Germany into the full Virginia Periques like Escudo. All right. So it's kind of halfway. And by being kind of halfway, it kind of leaves you halfway wanting one way or the other, which is, yeah. So, so maybe you want a, uh, maybe instead of the Solani straight Virginia flake or the Orlick golden slice, you want something with a little bit more depth to it. This would be a good step for you. Uh, the other thing I found interesting on the bottom of it is the, it says 15.8% domestic tobacco, 84.2% foreign grown tobacco. I'm pretty sure that that's a requirement of the U.S. So that 15.8% domestic is going to be U.S. domestic tobaccos, which is probably the Black Cavendish and the Hint of Perique. Uh, the Virginias are probably the 84%. So that's kind of giving you a little bit of a hint of the recipe of it. Um, I did enjoy it. I enjoyed it in what I would consider to be a smaller size pipe for me. Uh, I thought that the uh, if it, in a group four or group five size, it just started to get too, uh, too mild or too uh, nondescript. But in a smaller pipe, say group three size, it actually, I could pick up some of the Perique. I could sense some of the dark Virginias. I hardly got any hint of a black Cavendish in there. So that was, uh, it, you know, again, it was something that I would have thought maybe it needed a little bit bigger pipe, but no, it needed a little bit smaller pipe in order to really pick up those flavors. Uh, on tobaccoreviews.com, it comes in at about 3.3 stars out of four. So, and it's got 250 plus reviews. Uh, two reviews that I thought were most interesting were the most recent ones. And that's because I didn't want to go back much further because you, if you run it, you know, if you start getting into, uh, uh, you start getting into the older stuff, you start running into some of the production in England and that's not fair to compare it to, uh, one of the reviewers who reviewed it just this past December smoked it in a meerschaum and detected plum citrus and a little smoky, little sour, sweet little spice not dark neither light bold character for a vapor which comes from its black cavendish that's what he wrote and he smoked it in a meerschaum um i i wouldn't call it a bold character for a vapor i would call it more of a light vapor uh but then there was also another one from this december that i think kind of nailed what i'm what i was trying to say uh a pleasant but mundane vapor the Virginia tobaccos are on the earthy and tangy side of the flavor spectrum, though they are quite mellow. Together with the Cavendish, they provide a natural sweet foundation to the flake. The Perique is only slightly noticeable. And uh, he said this review is based on a small sample and limited life experience. But I really like what he wrote, and that's, a, and that's kind of where I was going with it, is that it was somewhat mundane. But there are some good parts to it. So if a Scudo's too strong for you or the uh, Solani 633 is too intense for you, this may be the one to dial it down. 
again, take a you know take a look at it. Uh, try the 50 gram tin if you really like it. Stock up on the 100 gram tins when they're available because I'm sure that that tobacco is going to age a whole lot better with all that air in there. Your thoughts, comments, Brian at PipesMagazine.com. And in just a moment, my conversation with Perry Ensign. This is Internet Radio. What are you looking for in a pipe? Is it the quality of aged briar? Is it a certain shape or finish? Maybe it's the sound engineering that ensures an effortless, smooth draw with each and every puff. That's exactly the kind of pipe Savinelli has delivered for generations now. With such a variety of shapes, finishes, and sizes, it's easy to find something that fits your sensibility and style. Just this year, we've expanded our lineup to include the Bianca, the Lancelotto, the 2015 Collection, and the final installment in the Leonardo da Vinci line, the Vitruvio. For a bolder style, try our more colorful 2015 editions as well. The exotic cashmere, the sultry licoricea, and the striking Archibaldino red. So whatever you're looking for in a pipe, know there's a Savinelli waiting for you. Contact your local or online retailer to find your Savinelli today. We're back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and joining me is my dear old friend, and I emphasize old friend because not because of your age, but because of how long we've known each other, Pear. That's that's why. Uh, my my dear old friend from the McBaron Tobacco Company, Pear Jensen. Pear, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Brian, and and I must say I'm I'm glad that you. Um that you made it clear that old was not old in, in that way, but f- just for a long time. I'm very happy about that. Yes, I, I, I wanted to make sure and emphasize that. And, and I, I invited you back onto the show for, um, for you know, what I would consider to be a, a somber situation, but also one of a celebration because uh, recently the... Uh, the leader of the McBaron Tobacco Company, Henrik Hallberg, uh, passed away, and uh, just for the recording of this show, for the recording of this interview portion, I pulled out my favorite uh, Tom Eltang pipe and some HH Old Dark Fired, and I'm using, in fact. Uh, the notes that I'm using are from the uh, the pen that I'm using for notes are from the Hotel Svenborg which will tie into the story in a little bit. But, uh, Per, maybe you can just refresh us and go back to the beginning of the Hallberg family involved in tobacco and, and, how, they, and how they rose to, uh, to, to rule Svenborg. Well, um, yeah, then, then we have to go back to 1887. Uh, where the first generation of the Halberg family, uh, named Harald Halberg, uh, that's also the the HH. That is reason why the the line of tobaccos, uh, more natural tobacco, is is HH. That is uh, Harald Halberg, his initials. Um, and he he bought a tobacco factory and. Uh, well, they were doing a lot of stuff. They were doing cigars. They were doing a lot of tuned tobacco uh, and pipe tobacco, of course. And and actually, we lived rather quiet life, supporting uh, or yeah, making tobacco for for the citizens of of Svinborg. And um, I would say our our history takes a, a dramatic turn in 1958 where the third generation, uh, Jörn Hellberg, um, comes up with uh, a new blend, uh, which he called Mixture. And I would say today that that Mixture is more or less the reason why McBaron is, um, is still a running company and not just a phrase in, in, in history books. Now, I want to go back. Uh, I want to go. I want to go back just a little bit back to the beginning, because in, in the 1880s in Svenborg is not a big town, but it is an important shipping port for that for yeah. the area. Uh, was, it th- is. There might have been a couple other tobacco manufacturers in Svenborg at that time. There were there were four. Yeah. Um, 
at that time it was decided that there should be um, more or less room for four tobacco factories all of them of course very small yeah uh, there were, it was not big companies but but very very small um, and uh, when we reached 1917 um, Hal Helberg's uh, Tobaksfabrik, as, as we are called, or was called at that time, was the only one left. <laughs> so um, that, that, that was the first uh, part of, 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 of getting to 1917. And then, as, as I mentioned, 1958 is the next dramatic point where a mixture arrives. And um, Jörn Halberg, who invented it, uh, was actually uh, Henrik, um, our late uh, owner. It was his father who did that. So that would have been the third generation of Halberg tobacco. That was third generation, yes. And did yes. he? And and did, was, and the fourth generation was was Henrik. Was Henrik? When did the name McBaron come into the company? That has to be in the late late forties, uh, beginning of the fifties. Because in in uh, as far as I remember, in nineteen fifty two, we uh, bring out a Golden Blend, which is called Golden Extra in in United States, and that has a McBaron name. Okay. So already at that time, um, the name was. Uh, was introduced, uh, and and the funny part of it, um, there's only one blend that survived from way 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 back, and that is the Solon mixture, ah. and that also became a McBaron uh, tobacco under the, the the brand name McBaron. So we and um, yeah, so we start off with Harold Hallberg who t who buys a tobacco business. And then his, and then his son carries it on, and then his son's son is where the beginning of the McBaron name shows up. Uh, was that was the McBaron name so that it sounded better to Western ears than uh, than Ger German Danish ears? I, I think at, at that time they had some uh, some thoughts about. Uh, bringing out a new brand name. It was uh, shortly after the war, the Second World War. So um, it would be logical to, to, to name it English. Yeah. Uh, an English name. Uh, and not a Danish, which could be misinterpreted as, as German. Yeah. Yeah. For so, so that's probably uh, one, one of the reasons. Yeah. So how, when does Henrik start in the, in the business? Is he, does he automatically go from school to learning the business? Uh, yeah, uh, and, and it starts seventies where where Henry comes in into the company, uh, and making all all different kind of, of uh, operations in the company to to learn it, yeah, to learn what it is to to have a tobacco factory. Um, and then, of course, he he um, he's sent to United States, and that is probably uh, probably his turning point, because he was sent as uh, ah, what can you call it a tobacco apprentice. Yeah. So we would uh, we would call it a, tobaccos. We would call it a a uh, an apprentice leaf buyer. Yeah. Yeah. And um, he has to 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 learn everything about tobacco. Uh, and at that time, one of um, Jörn Halberg's very good friends in the United States, um, uh, a leaf seller, um, he has a son, his name is Carl Anderson. Yep. Um, and Henrik and Carl hooks up. <laughs> and uh, I don't know what they have been doing for, for, for funny things, but I'm sure they had a, they had a good time. <laughs> uh, and Carl is still um, is still in business, um, selling tobacco. Carl is somebody that I have met on a couple of occasions because he lives in the same city in North Carolina where my daughter goes to school. Okay, yeah, yeah, and and when we have met Carl, you'll never forget him. Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, that's that's for sure. But but they had um, they had a, a 
beautiful friendship uh, later on came um Esbjørn from from Norway who also had a tobacco factory and uh, he sent his son to United States as well at the same time as Henrik and uh, I think they were touring around uh, at the end of of the stay they they toured United States from from uh, east to west in uh, the uh, Ford Mustang which Henrik <laughs> bought so uh, they also had a pretty good time but the, this this apprenticeship would not have been a couple of weeks. This might have been a couple of years, right? Where they would work in different yes, yes it was yeah, different it was. fields, and yeah, and it was not just United States. Or he also went to to other countries because United States, at the least in the area where he was, uh, was mostly Virginia. But you also have Orientals. Uh, you have to to dig into the to the Latakia, uh, dark fight Kentucky both the United States and Africa so he had to go a lot of places but later on um, he took uh, the task when his father died he could have um, made himself a, a managing director he didn't want to do that um, uh, he wanted to to uh, to stay in the tobacco business in in the leaf buying so um, he employed a managing director who took the company and Henrik uh, was working where his, his love were, and that was uh, with the raw tobacco. We're going to take a break right here. When we come back, we'll have more with uh, Pear. We'll ask about what's going on with McBaron. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. Being at the forefront of craft tobacco production for over 20 years, we've been involved in some rather interesting projects at Cornell. From the Cellar Series to the Small Batch Project, we're extremely proud of how far we've come. So moving forward, we wanted to take it back to basics, and that's what the Burley Flake Series is all about. Burley is an underrated varietal, but there is a ton of nuance there. Using various condimental tobaccos to accentuate different aspects of the air-cured leaf, each blend in this series is intended to showcase different individual subtleties inherent to Burley. It's a simple concept one that I think really speaks to the essence of what we do at CND as a crew of folks who just love tobacco. It's also really good. Cornell and Deal's Burley Flakes series, wherever fine tobaccos are sold. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show talking about uh, our, well, our former boss, because... I was part of the McBaron company, and uh, Perry, you're still there. Thank God. Keep an eye on the place for I'm everybody. Still here. Yes. Uh, talking about I'm still here. <laughs> talking about Henrik Hallberg. The uh, <laughs> Henrik was a bit of a an entrepreneur and a uh, and I would call him a free spirit. Um, but he but he did so. His father did make sure that he understood where all the leaf came from and made him travel around the world and work in the fields and work with the buyers, and that went on for a couple of years. And then he had to come home when his father died. Yes. Yeah. No, uh, Henrik was in in the company before that. Okay. Um, uh, and and was uh, in position as um, as leaf buyer before his father died um, and and Henrik um, he took a lot of pride in 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 going himself to visit the different countries uh, I could name I don't know how many in in Africa South America United States um, even Far East yeah um, and he had been to them all yeah and he also and, if and people we may jump before we'll jump forward a little bit, but when I first went there, uh, you had an office building that was across the driveway from the factory with all the executives yes. in this office building. But Henrik's yes. office was not in that building. No, it was uh, it was in the um, uh, it was in the lobby of the factory. Yeah. And and that was where he wanted to has have his uh, his office. Uh, later on, when when we acquired all the the room we could get, all the square meters we could get, he had to give up his his office. Uh oh. And and move to the 
to the other building. But it was not without a fight. <laughs> um, and let's go back and talk about we'll talk about Henrik a little bit more because can you can you please tell the story of how Hotel Svenborg becomes part of the Hallberg Holdings? Well, that was, I think it was way back in 75. Hotel Svenborg uh, existed. Uh, it was built, uh, by the way, by uh, Marshall Help from the United States. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> I'm so thankful. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and over the times, uh, nothing was done to keep it uh, to the right standard. So in, in 1975, um, Henrik and his father, uh, I think it was his, his father at that time, who said, Svenborg is big enough to have a hotel and we need to secure that we have a hotel in the future. So they bought Hotel Svenborg and <laughs> renovated it. <clears throat> and, and since then, well, the hotel have been rebuilt. I don't know how many times and it have been, have more square meters now than, than ever. And, <laughs> and they're, they're not finished. They're, they're going to continue in the future as well. And I've spent many a night there. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, you can't smoke in the hotel rooms anymore, but there's still, uh, there's still the indoor smoking area behind the hotel, correct? Yes. Yeah. Uh, a hotel owned by a tobacco company where you're not allowed to smoke at all that don't fit. <laughs> Welcome to Denmark. So, so they, they, they made us a, what they call a smoking lounge. Yeah. And, and, and that's okay. So you don't have to go outside to, to, uh, to smoke. You can sit inside. When you were working on a blend, did you have to show it to Henrik first to get his approval on it for a new product? Was he interested in what you were doing? He was always interested. And, and, and I can say that that interest started, oh, it was in an RTDA show um, where I was able to hook up with Henrik for one week tour in Virginia. <laughs> the only thing we, we were doing was visiting uh, tobacco fields um, everywhere where, where Carl took us. Um, and, and they all had something to explain. And it could also be when we drove from, from A to B, then, then Henry says, hey, stop. <laughs> then we went out and then he had something to, to explain about, could be the leaf, uh, some of them had flowers, then about the flowers and, and um, the cutting and, and so on. It was, it was actually one week in, in, in heaven. I learned a lot. Also about the chemistry, how the tobacco works together uh, all that kind of, uh, of, of good things. Mm. And he was also crazy enough that, well, what I'm smoking right now is a result of his, of Henrik's touring around and finding this old, old dark fired tobacco that was sitting somewhere in a corner. And he was crazy enough to buy it all with no idea what to do with it. Yeah, and, 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 and I think that that's a habit he, um, he invented, for, not, not invented, he inherited from his father. Uh, when they saw something uh, out of the ordinary, um, they bought it. Well knowing that, that we were not able to use it in our normal products because our recipes were different. But, but it was so good, so I, I have to have this. Yeah. And that, that has been a blessing over the years to have the owner of the company as a leaf buyer yeah because nobody ever asked uh, about the quantity he bought <laughs> well it was his money if it was in the bank or in tobacco doesn't matter the accountant did not come to him and say you don't have that budget you can't do that <laughs> i don't think they dare <laughs> <laughs> and then he would say well you don't need to have a job bye <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and well, no, and 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 that 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 was, uh, for instance, the old dark fight was made out of an old dark fight in Hawkins from 1974. Yeah, 
that have been bought and was just standing there. And that were, there were six of these hockheads just standing there. Since 19, well, we probably got it a year later, 1975. Uh, and nobody cared about it. Nobody asked about it and say, well, this tobacco is not moving. Well, what shall we do with it? So um, when, when I start talking about my, my idea for, for old dark fired, Henrik said immediately, well, uh, we have some special uh, dark fired over in our barns. Um, come on, let's, let's have a look. Wow. And that was finding gold. <laughs> and it was also probably the reason why McBaron had Siri and Latakia a lot longer than a lot of other companies because Henrik had been there and knew the people and would buy as much as was available. Well, Enrique was was a nice guy, uh, but he also um, <laughs> he, he he knew exactly when to to strike. Uh, so when it, it became a little bit more public that that the Latakia out of Syria was was going to be a problem. Uh, first of all, we bought everything we could get from from the normal suppliers, contacted um, the network what what Henrik had. And, and we bought everything we could get. Yeah, and we've heard... And, and we've, that, that was fantastic. We've heard about, you know, how the, these... Again, this is the, the, the beauty of his time out traveling around and working in the fields and then meeting all the people in the fields. You know, they all knew him and they all wanted to know... They, he knew them and if something special came along, they would call him. Yeah, and and then they knew we, we would be interested, and even when when they visit uh, the tobacco companies in, in in for instance Brazil, they knew Henrik was coming, so they had um, they have f found the best of the tobaccos they had, and and they presented it. Yeah, uh, because they would rather have that a tobacco a pipe tobacco company bought their good exceptional qualities than it went into cigarettes. They made more money off of it that way. Probably, but but you have to remember, um, so we say the buying power, uh, what the pipe industry, pipe tobacco industry has compared to the cigarette guys, yeah. it's, it's, it's nothing. Yeah. But everybody was proud if they could say, we sell to pipe tobacco companies. It was <laughs> like, uh, like a stamp of approval. Uh, let, let's talk. Henrik had a bit of a hobby as well, which was, uh, I think we would call him here in the United States. He was a patron to the local arts and he would support local artists in the Svenborg area and buy their artwork. Yeah, not, not, uh, especially in Svenborg, but, but not only that. And, and, and that's again, uh, that's an interest uh, he got from his father because his father was very interested in, in, in different kind of art and, and he also tried to, to help upcoming uh, artists, which in the long run wasn't such a bad idea because <laughs> some of them went very famous yeah. and, and, and their paintings cost a lot. But Henrik does the same, not only in, in paintings, but also in glass, uh, other materials, um, all the artists, uh, he, he supports them. Yes. Yeah. And, and also, he would also, and he would decorate the, the McBaron office with some of this artwork. And sometimes you, I'd come there and visit and I'd look at this strange and odd thing that was stuck in the middle of the hallway <laughs> and wonder, yeah. Oh, okay. Henrik's art. Um, and then there were some very beautiful pieces that I really admired and the same thing for the hotel yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, and 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 uh, I I don't want to know the value of the paintings in the hotel. <laughs> but but it's more or less um, well on a normal salary. It's it's not possible to pay. That they're very expensive. Some of them very expensive. Did he have a McBaron employee contest for certain pieces of art that he would give away if? the you know to one lucky employee or no we we have um also in 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 his spirit um we have have had for the last 20 years an art um 
what do we call it, an art club in the company. Okay. Where where you pay, I think it's twenty five kroner. That is what four dollars yeah. a month. And um, then Henrik doubles that money, and then uh, each month we have a new artist uh, making an exhibition on the road or on the uh, where we walk to get to um, to the canteen. Yeah. So everybody looks at those, of course. And then they buy one or two uh, from each artist, and um, once a year, we have a lottery. Ah. Of course, it has to be good. So, so first we eat, and, uh, we dine, uh, we have wine, and then we have the lottery. <laughs> so, uh, for for your four dollars uh, a month, you can go home with, with an art piece of uh, worth. I don't know how much, but but several thousands. <laughs> so. And, and that, that, that was Henrik's way of, of, shall we say, learning about others, about art. Yeah. Yeah. Hen Henrik let, let's, was... not get, let's not get into a discussion what art is, because no. you don't have minutes enough. No, and then Henrik living in Svenborg had an appreciation for, the, for sailing and for boats, including one... Uh, touring sail ship that would be in Copenhagen some days for charters. Yeah. And and old, uh, what we call coasters, that was ships that was connecting Denmark, the, the harbor cities, yeah. uh, transporting uh, goods and, and whatever they needed. Uh, and we have um, a museum in, in Svendborg where we have four of those ships. And um, Henrik had 25% uh, of, of uh, the company behind it. <laughs> and we, we used it a lot of uh, excursions in, in the company. Yep. To go on the small islands we have around the coast. And yeah. And then I've told the story before on the show of Henrik and a friend of his saw an auction coming up in Norway and decided to buy a former Norwegian government icebreaker for no reason except to have it in the harbor really what what are you complaining about he didn't have any yeah. so of course he bought one so he bought a a hundred foot long 12 yeah a 12 deck high icebreaker from norway that was meant to break ice in the polar ice cap area uh, yeah yeah just yeah and it's, it's still it's still there yeah, and it's we haven't had, we haven't had had ice since he bought it. <laughs> um, as eccentric and as fun as Henrik it was to be around, and I've had the opportunity to sit next to him at several dinners, and then had the opportunity to try not to sit next to him at several dinners because keeping up with him in the wine and the drink was not possible. And uh, but <laughs> he he. Uh, one thing I admired about Henrik was he liked to have fun. He worked very hard, but if what the work was that wasn't fun, he would just get up and leave and let the, yeah. let the hard workers that he hired do that job and leave them be. Yeah. And, and, and that probably, uh, that puts, I would say Henrik's working life very good together because he did, where his interests, where his love were. Yeah. And and uh, I was I was so proud proud. I had some colleges for German tobacconists in Svenborg. And the last college I had, I even got Henrik to come out and hand over the diplomas. Ah. And 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 everybody looked at me and said, How how did you do that? Be because that is normally not a thing he would do. Yeah. But um, he did it, and and I'm so grateful, great grateful for it. And and he also had a he had a keen mind for business, and was he he could be very sharp and blunt when he needed to be, but he built that uh, from the time he took over the business from his father, he turned that business into a monster compared to what his father had. Yeah, and, and you have to remember, uh, back from Harald Halberg in, in 1887, um, 
McBaron or the Halberg family always had one principle. We don't buy anything if we don't have the money. Yeah. Get a loan is not an option. Mm -mm. We earn the money first and then we can reinvest it in the company. And when you do that over a period of, of 125 years, you get far. Yeah. Henrik will miss you. I'll miss seeing you. I, I did get a chance to say hi to him when we were in Svenborg for your wedding a, a year a year and a half ago. So I'm happy I happy I got to say hi to him at the hotel that night. Uh, yep. Pear, Pear, the the company is going forward. The family is still in charge and running it. Um, yeah. Do you have anything new coming up? Any uh, any projects that you want to let us in on and uh, maybe tease us with? Oh, it, uh, it will be only only headlines. Uh, we, we just launched the vanilla roll cake, and uh, that have been very well uh, accepted. Yeah, and that was this ancient kind of, of tobacco, uh, but in a, a modern version with with a slight uh, or very decent uh, subtle uh, vanilla flavor. And there are coming a, a few more here this year. So, um, for all the pipe smokers expecting to, to get something excited, they will not be disappointed. Anything new? And coming? then, of course, uh, uh, anything new sorry? coming in the HH line? Uh, not, not for the moment. Not for the moment. Um, and of course, also uh, uh, news. I will uh, within a week uh, upload my new video which is uh, about how you fill a pipe with spun tobacco. So anybody who would be interested can uh, can have a look. And the YouTube channel name is? I think that the best you, you can do is to search for Pierre Geo Jensen. P-E-R-G-E-O-R-G-J-E-N-S-E-N. Exactly. Exactly. You got it, Brian. You got it. Yeah, I've only had to. Uh, I've, I've only had to deal with you for a hundred years, so it's about time I knew how to spell your name. <laughs> yeah, I would also say if you if you haven't uh, coped with it yet, uh, there was no uh, salvation for you, my friend. Well, we're not talking about salvation, but I can spell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Pear, thank you very much for coming on and doing this. Thank you. you know, tell everybody I said hello. It's always good to. We're as we're recording this, I get to see your face and your beautiful round head, and uh, and it's always yeah. good to see you. Well, thank you for for letting me in, and um, it was actually kind of of, of nice um, thinking back uh, with with Henrik, uh, the time with Henrik. It, it rounded it off. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much, Brian. We'll be back in just a minute. This is Internet Radio. Have a look in your tobacco cellar. What do you see? Think of what you smoke, what you age, what you're drawn to in a blend that keeps you wanting more. That's your taste. And whether you know it or not, you've been leading that expedition since you first picked up a pipe. Just by smoking what you like and liking what you smoke. But the funny thing about taste it changes, and you need a wide selection to accommodate it. We at Smoking Pipes know this, and you know it too. So whether you're searching for a tried and true favorite, or a singular boutique mixture, we're here to help you navigate the voyage of your evolving tastes. But you're still at the helm. Smoking Pipes, in faithful service of the hobby. And we are back again. Pear's uh, YouTube channel is Pear, P-E-R, George, G-E-O-R-G, Jensen, J-E-N-S-E-N. And if you want to learn more about Henrik Hallberg, it's H-E-N-R-I-K-H-A-L-B-E-R-G. You can Google search him. You'll find a couple of articles about him. All right, for music, well, this time we're uh, we're going back to... Uh, we're going back to well we're going to an era of music that I'm not really a big fan of and it's uh Bobby Womack who 
broke in in the early 70s and is kind of a uh, R&B and uh, jazzy kind of singer. Uh, but he was a pipe smoker early on in his life. And this one that I picked out is called Everyone's Gone to the Moon. It's from his uh, second album, which I think was released in the early 1970s. Here's a song with such a strong message. I'd like to take time out and sing it for you. It says simply, Streets full of people All along Roads full of houses But they never home Church full of singing But they all out of tune Everyone's, everyone's gone full of sorrow But they never, never, never wet Hands full of money But they all in debt Sun coming out in the middle of June Everyone's gone to the moon Listen to more of Bobby Womack. It's W O M A C K on. Uh, I found it all over Spotify. Tons of stuff there. Mm, message from the dark side. There is in the mailbag. Remember, if you have a comment, question, idea, suggestion, reach out to me, Brian B R I A N at pipesmagazine.com. If you want to advertise to some of the finest pipe smokers in the world, you can reach out to Kevin at PipesMagazine.com, and he'll help you with that. Uh, and uh, Craig wrote me and was kind enough to send me a couple of uh, Disney things that he had that he, that he found while cleaning out his house, um, one of which is a souvenir book, uh, a souvenir pictorial book that I'm pretty sure, based off of the rides and stuff that was open, it was from 1987, which is right in the middle of the years that I was there. So it was kind of fun because I saw some people that I recognized doing their job. Uh, he said uh, in a letter enclosed in there, I wanted to thank you for your podcast. In 1996, I worked at a cigar and pipe shop part-time as a broke college student. In the beginning, I was not making much money because I was smoking my paycheck away with cigars. When the owner said I could sample off the tobacco bar for free, I started smoking a pipe. Within a year, I had 25 pipes, subscribed to Pipes and Tobacco's magazine, and bought every book I could find on a fledgling eBay. <laughs> then, at the age of 22, I tried to have a professional life, and my pipe time was sent into hibernation. 23 years later, thanks to some friends, I've rediscovered the serenity and calming force of Pipes and Tobacco, and I'm loving it. We started the Pig's Eye Pipe Club, and we are hoping to be a progressive, welcoming entity to promote pipes to the new early to middle-aged people in our area. Obviously, we're not meeting in person much, but have regular video chats with help, uh, which helps keep our sanity in check. 
Uh, I've been spending some time with Rich Lewis, a great man, musician, and pipe maker, and have been helping them with their social media starting this year. He and his son George are great people and have great stories to tell and amazing pipes to make and share, uh, to make, share, and hopefully sell. Uh, that reminds me, I need to have Rich back on to talk about some of the other musicians he's run into. Uh, and then he goes on to say, my tobacco seller is shaping up and I'm trying not to buy too many new pipes, but you keep interviewing great people that make pipes. I recently picked up a Cayuga, a Cayuga pipe after listening to the interview and love it. A Smoker's Haven pipe is next on my list. <laughs> I think it's great. The pipe knowledge is so much easier to find than 20 plus years ago, but my wife and wallet disagree. <laughs> Uh, he says, I don't have much cash to throw around, but hope those words of encouragement and random vintage Disney items from around my house can put a smile on your face for hours of entertainment, uh, for the hours of entertainment you've given, you've given me and the world of pipe smoking. Sincerely, Craig. Thank you very much, Craig. And I, and I appreciate the Disney goodies, especially that book, because I don't think I have the pictorial souvenirs from when I was around. Yeah. Uh, and then I got called out and I love getting called out. And here's what, uh, Sheldon Richmond wrote, uh, dear Brian. And this goes back to the December, the episode that came out December 8th with, uh, Riley, the rainbow, uh, rainbow pipe smoker, uh, with all due respect, I think it's unbecoming of pipe smokers and the host of the longtime pipes magazine radio show to refer disparagingly to people who smoke or otherwise consume cannabis which, as you know, is legal recreational, yeah, legal recreational in 15 states in the District of Columbia and countries throughout the world, including Canada. In my 50 years as a pipe smoker, I've had contact with many fellow brethren of the tobacco leaf who counted the pharmacological effects of tobacco among its pleasures. We all know J.M. Barry's tribute to nicotine and many others have been written. Let's not kid ourselves. We don't smoke just for the flavor. This is true of other tobacco users also. Nicotine, like caffeine, another favorite of yours, of course, is a drug. So is alcohol. Uh, so is alcohol, which many pipe smokers enjoy. So why should cannabis users be regarded with ridicule or worse? I smoked marijuana several times over 40 years ago. I can honestly say the relaxing effect, the high was not much different than the nicotine hit I get from many tobacco blends. I hope you're not laboring under the propaganda that has been spread about marijuana over the years by drug warriors with a vested interest most egregiously in reefer madness. Uh, let's, not th let's not forget that unlike cannabis users, tobacco consumers in modern times have not had their lives ruined by armed and black-robed officers of the state. It's really no laughing matter, and if tobacco crackdown ever comes, you and I will not be laughing. I hope cannabis users would speak out. It may be ironic that while the freedom, of, the freedom to use nicotine tobacco is increasingly under assault by the state, the freedom to use cannabis is increasingly respected. For me, this brings to mind Martin Niemöller's famous verse about German cowardice during the Nazi rule, which I will appropriate for the present purpose. First, they came for the cannabis users, and I did not speak out because I was not a cannabis user. Then they came for the tobacco users, and there was no one left to speak for us. All my best, Sheldon. Well, I went back and listened to that, and you're right. You know what? I And I love it when somebody calls me out. Now, the only defense that I will give to myself is that I know some cannabis users who look down upon nicotine users because they use cannabis recreationally and there are nicotine users that are addicted to it. I have also had cannabis, uh, recreational cannabis users, especially in Nevada where it is legal uh, where I've been out smoking my pipe and they've commented to me and asked me what's in it. And we've all had those discussions and I've said just regular old tobacco and they've indicated to me that it really doesn't mean make sense to smoke a pipe with just regular tobacco. So I will say that, you know, again, I am the, you know, I'm the leading expert on my own opinion, but I also believe that you should do what you enjoy, how you enjoy it and do it in moderation so that it doesn't harm yourself or anybody else around you. 
Same thing goes with drinks. Same thing goes with pipe smoking. Same thing goes with cigar smoking. Same thing goes with marijuana. And in some states, the uh, hallucinogenics. Have at them. Just be safe about it. Enjoy it. And I will uh, try to do better. But as long as uh, some people call me out for just smoking tobacco in a pipe and not smoking the good stuff, quote unquote, well, I may fire back at them. Just my thoughts. Anyway, uh, hope you, uh, if you have any ideas, comments, or questions, again, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. Ratings and reviews, we love those. And in just a moment, rant time. There's nothing quite like fishing at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe. An American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. been thinking of it as we are getting ready for my son's wedding well you know what weddings and funerals are a lot alike and here's how they're a lot alike all right for the bride and groom the wedding sets a uh, it, it starts a beginning it it transfers your life from one form to the other and for a funeral for the person that is uh being uh, honored it sets a transformation from one life to whatever you believe to another and also it's for the people that are attending for the people that are attending a wedding and a funeral those people are there respecting and honoring the people that are being uh that are being uh they are honoring the people of the moment and they are marking a milestone in their lives for us this means the transformation completely of our son into a man and a husband and the and part of his own family and the same thing at a funeral when you are at the funeral you are marking the change or a milestone in your life and you are marking the loss of something so weddings and funerals are a lot the same and at the same time, I will also say that weddings and funerals are more important for the people that are in attendance of the honored people than it is actually for the honored people. Because looking back, I don't remember much of my wedding, but at the same time, when I talk to my parents, I get all kinds of details about my own wedding that I don't remember much of. <laughs> but I sure do... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, anyway, uh, I know I was there. I know I was there. So there you go. Weddings and funerals, a lot the same. And uh, enjoy those milestones as you go along and enjoy those beginnings and ends and the transformations. All right, I want to thank Pear for joining me and talking about a, a man who made many milestones. Uh, thank you all for tuning in, and bomba until next time. The clouds when we're together. Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy Do you have the links? Now the lings are a symbol of eternity, because in the ling, there is no beginning, there is no end, because it's a circle. 
That's kind of nice. It's not like a triangle. A triangle has like a corner and the ends. This one is a circle. Okay, we get it. Three corners. <laughs>